Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 52 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in Isaiah chapters 29 through 41. Chapter 29 is a woe declared on David's city, Ariel. I will encamp against you on all sides. I will encircle you with towers and set up my siege works against you. And then... In an instant, as it were, the hordes of attacking enemies will be gone as if in a dream. Yet the outlook for God's people is still dire. These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. And then God tells Isaiah that he is about to astound the people with trouble who go to great lengths to hide their evil deeds from God. And for some, this is good news. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. The chapter ends with the certainty that God's people will again seek him and follow his guidance. Chapter 30, by the way, you should read this chapter, is full of strong language to God's rebellious people. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin. And the first sin mentioned is the people's turning to Egypt for protection instead of to God. It's noted, too, These are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. In response, God said that Egypt, where the people had put their trust, would collapse like a cracked wall or a piece of fragile pottery. Then God challenged his people. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. And yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. I got to say, I love how God's compassion and goodness keeps showing up in the book of Isaiah. After those words of compassion, by the way, what follows is God's assurance that his people would ultimately be healed. Chapter 31 is a stern warning to those who trusted in Egypt for help. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitudes of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. The warning continues with a reminder that God is greater than the merely mortal Egyptians. Then the promise is made that God will ultimately come down and deliver his people. 
the last section of the chapter assures the people that Assyria's downfall is certain. So both Egyptian, Egypt excuse me, and Assyria are mentioned in this chapter. Chapter 32 begins by promising a king who will reign in righteousness. Under this king's rule, the people will no longer walk without understanding sins. The fearful heart will know and understand, and the stammering tongue will be fluent and clear. This first section is followed by a message to the women of Jerusalem. You women who are so complacent, rise up and listen to me. You daughters who feel secure, hear what I have to say. Following these words is a stark prophecy of coming calamity in which the fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city deserted, citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever, the delight of donkeys a pasture for flocks. And yet... There is the hope of restoration. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Chapter 33 contrasts those who choose right and experience the blessing of God with those who choose wrong and suffer. In the midst of this poetic passage, the question is asked and answered, Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Those who walk righteously and speak what is right, who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting bribes, who stop their ears against plots of murder and shut their eyes against contemplating evil, they are the ones who will dwell on the heights, whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. Their bread will be supplied, and water will not fail them. The last line of the chapter is a beautiful promise. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill, and the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. Chapter 34 is a cry of judgment against the nations who have turned their back on God and the way of justice. The Lord is angry with all nations. His wrath is on all their armies. He will totally destroy them. He will give them over to slaughter. And in this prophecy, it's not just the nations that will suffer. All the stars in the sky will be dissolved and the heavens rolled up like a scroll. All the starry host will fall like withered leaves from the vine, like shriveled figs from the fig tree. This act of retributive judgment that will leave the land of Edom a wasteland will be in defense of God's people upholding their cause. Chapter 35 is a celebration of God's redemption of Zion. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Chapter 36 
turns to the story of Sennacherib. You may recognize that name. He was the Assyrian king who attacked Judah during the reign of King Hezekiah, a story we first covered in 2 Kings 19. Since the story's pretty much been covered back there in 2 Kings, which, by the way, is in episode 28, I won't revisit it here. Chapter 37 continues Hezekiah's story. Again, these details are essentially identical to those recorded in 2 Kings 19. So, You'll have to simply revisit 2 Kings 19. Or, by the way, if you haven't read the story or if you don't remember that episode, feel free to pull out Isaiah or pull it up on your audio podcast and listen to Isaiah 36, 37, and 38 remarkable um, pieces of Isaiah as well as of the story of Judah and and Judah's king, Hezekiah, during a difficult, a very difficult time. Chapter 38 records the story of Hezekiah's illness and healing, much of it also found in 2 Kings 20. However, Isaiah 38 does include some additional details. A poem Hezekiah wrote after his recovery. Here are a few lines. I said, In the prime of my life must I go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years? Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Chapter 39 records the envoys which Hezekiah received from Babylon after his recovery. Similar details are found in 2 Kings 20 and even a touch of 2 Chronicles 32. Chapter 40, by the way, a chapter you should read. I'll emphasize that again. It's such a good chapter. It's one of the most inspiring chapters in the book, in fact. And again, it's a must read. These lines from the chapter may remind you of Handel's Messiah, as will several others if you read or listen to the chapter. Here are the lines, at least the lines that I'll mention related to the Messiah or Handel's Messiah. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. While you should totally read or listen to the whole chapter, I can't help but read the final section. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. 
They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Chapter 41, another chapter well worth reading, is another inspiring prophecy of God's providence for his people. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And a few lines down are these words as well. I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And that's all for today.